0: What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Report's NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, lead draft writer BR, and joining me every Wednesday, also from BR, my main man, Connor Rogers. Dude, I'm still hyped up from our Combine show that we did Saturday night in Indy, and I am psyched about the show that you have planned today
1: yeah me too man it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, indie was a blast I, honestly it's funny i was talking to someone this morning they're like how was it and i couldn't even hide the smile off my face because it was such a good time the show was great i hope everyone enjoyed it and we're not stopping there because we got a loaded show today. We got a lot still to catch up on. We Matt has a new seven-round mock draft that we have to talk about. Uh, we got an early declaration already for 2019 from Ed Oliver, who has the potential to be a number one player. We're going to throw some scouts' quotes at you from the combine, and we'll do some quarterback landing spots. So we had a lot to go through, buddy. Why, why waste time?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Let's jump right into it. Like you said, we have a declaration for 2019. I've never seen this before. But Houston's Ed Oliver comes out and says, uh, announces he's coming out next year. He's going to play his junior here at Houston, and then he's out of there. I kind of love it. Like, what? why have a pretext that you're going to come back and play longer when we all know you're not? So just get it out there and and
1: start. Hey, he's going to play next year, but get it out there, and, and now you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I really like it for us. Not going to lie, selfishly, because there's no, well, if he declares, but, you know, prefacing every time we talk about him, Now, Ed Oliver goes 110 miles an hour. So otherwise, because you would have concerns like, oh, is he every time that he, you know, looks like he's taking a playoff, people are going to be like, oh, well, he's already one foot in the door of the NFL. I don't think Ed Oliver's that type of player. So he's a guy that could come out and be like, hey, you know, I'm going to give it my all here this last year. But I'm NFL bound because guess what? He's probably a top five pick. And what I
0: said yesterday was he's he will enter the year as my number one player. And some people on Twitter got pissed and they're like, I thought you don't watch underclassmen. No, I don't. I don't write scouting reports on them. I don't. I don't dive in on them. It's impossible not to know how good Ed Oliver is. He's been great since his freshman year. So, saying he'll enter the year as my number one player, obviously that can change. I mean, there's guys like Nick Bosa, Rashawn Gary, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, Jonah Williams. There's a, a lot of very good players for next year. That yeah, we've already peaked at because guess what happens the day. The day that the draft ends this year, Bleacher Report's going to say, hey, Miller, you want to do a video? You're top 10 for next year? So I have to be looking at these guys. Yep, and right. Oliver is, he's like an Indominus Sue, Sue clone, but I would say, like, Sue is kind of like weird on the field, you know, like a little rough around the edges. Oliver's not like that. I, I think he's just, he's a fun, athletic, freaky good player.
1: Oh, no doubt. He could shoot gaps. He's one of those interior guys that affects the quarterback on passing downs. And when you could do that, guess what? You can make yourself a lot of money. So I can't wait to talk about him basically all summer into the season. But, you know, getting on to we were at the combine and there was everybody from the NFL that that matters seemed to be there. And we each got a quote from the combine that stuck out to us. So I want to start with you, Matt, because I think yours is really interesting because it's something that everyone's dying to know. Yeah. And let's preface this. These are things we're hearing, not things that
0: are our opinion, because I know this one won't be popular. The one thing that I've heard from multiple people, I heard it in Indy. I've heard it since we've been home. is that Lamar Jackson struggled with the board work during those 15 minute interviews that you get with teams. This is a concern that, that you and I have heard all season long that, He's he's going to have a hard time articulating concepts. And, you know, if you walk, if he walked into the room and we did the old Gruden camp thing and ask him to like, break down his favorite play or explain concepts, that's where I've been told he's struggling. And that might be some of the reason why we see the discrepancy between where people outside the NFL have him ranked and where people inside the league have him.
1: Yeah, those interviews matter. That board work matters. And on the flip side, we saw—at least I saw—a couple of reports come out on Twitter that Josh Rosen did really well, and teams were blown away because they felt it, he, he was genuine in his interviews. Now Lamar is a, it seems like a really nice kid. I thought he interviewed to the press really well. He, he's a—you know—a high energy kind of guy. He's funny. He's very likable the board work really matters for teams. It's important. And if you struggle with that, it, it kind of, it will limit what offenses you could play in. So it, it will hurt his chances with some teams while others will tailor an offense around him, depending on how their coaching staff is. So that's an important quote. And I think it's one thing that shows that I, I still think Lamar Jackson can go in the first round, but he, I don't think he goes to the top 10. And I think if he did really dominate that board work, then we will see him go top 15 because he's too talented not to. So that's a really, really good one. Uh, on my side of things, a guy that's a little bit of a lower profile, but a guy that we talked about over summer as a first-round player that no longer is Tavares McFadden. I, I was talking to somebody and they they said they asked before he tested. This is before he ran. They said because we were talking about Derwin James. They said, "What do you think of the cornerback?" And I said, "I did not think his tape was very good." Now, if you look at the twenty sixteen season the ball kind of found him good ball skills, obviously this year, not as much. And and their response was, yeah, he is terrible. And then he goes out and tests like that. It's just not looking good for Tavares McFadden because he was a guy that when you have a bad season after a very good 2016 season, 2016 season, you struggle in 2017, you need the combine to remind teams what you were and that what you can be. And he went out and he ran a four, six, seven at cornerback. And that's just not going to do it. Now I thought he jumped pretty well, but Listen, the biggest concern with him was downfield speed, yep. handling vertical routes. Now you're, you're scheme limited because you need help over the top. So I think, what do you think, Matt? I think Tavares McFadden goes late round three, early round four after this.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And like you said, he becomes scheme specific, maybe like a cover two scheme where he's not going to be asked to carry those vertical guys. But he, you kind of saw this coming because he is, he's six two. he's, he's kind of, you know, long and gangly those guys never run very well. So even saying that, the 467 is really disappointing and I'm with you. I know over summer I said that this dude had a chance to be a first rounder because he was so good last year. Had eight picks, was just dominant on underneath routes and he's still very good on underneath routes. He just doesn't have that speed to carry guys down the field. So when I look at him it's like, okay, well, are you a target for a team like Seattle kind of in that round 3 round 4 range? Um are you, you know, any of those schemes, San Francisco, Jacksonville, is that kind of his sweet spot of someone who's not going to ask him to have that deep speed down the field, but he also just plays tall in his back pedal and his alignment, everything he does is too high. So he's got a, he has to work on getting better. And when you come out of Florida state, you usually assume like, all right, these guys are pretty well coached and he just has a lot of technical deficiencies that really show up and he doesn't have the speed to overcome them. So I'm with you. I, I think he he takes a pretty big drop down to, and it's probably not a drop. It's probably a correction on our part. Now that we have the tape and the times to say, okay, well, I, we liked this guy a year ago, but he just didn't do anything to to carry over into this
1: year. And, and quite frankly, a lot of good cornerbacks just broke out this year and were better. And, and not just guys that are smaller, like Denzel Ward and Mike Hughes were guys that are smaller that played great, but the guys like Isaiah Oliver and Josh Jackson and Carlton Davis have the length that McFadden has, but kind of ran better and were more physical and were just overall more technically sound. So a a tough – I I like the term correction because maybe this wasn't a drop for McFadden. Maybe this is who he is because clearly I think multiple NFL teams that you know we talked to feel that way, and then we kind of caught up and and saw it. So, you know, some negative quotes, but we got to keep it real coming out of Inti because I think on – the combine show, we gave guys, we gave guys a lot of love. So now it's time to come back to reality a little bit. Um, Now we are going to talk about your mock draft, but first one thing I did want to go through was quarterback landing spots in free agency, because we're getting real close here. We're about a week out before these guys can verbally commit. I want to say verbally sign, legally tamper. (laughs) And there's a couple big ones that I want to run down the list. And I want to start with your guy, Teddy Bridgewater making the comeback. Where do you think Teddy ends up? Man, this is hard, and
0: uh, do, we still don't know officially if he's a free agent, right? It's been it's been rumored and speculated that his contract will toll and he'll be a free agent, unless something happened while I was at the combine and I uh, I was too sick and/or hungover and missed it. But I, I think Teddy goes to the Jags. I, I think it's a great fit for them. That the Turners are there. He can he can work in that offense. Um, he's they have a guy in Blake Bortles who they just signed. And I think they're trying to figure out what they have there with him. And Teddy comes in, can compete with Bortles kind of behind the scenes, um, but also push a little bit. And it's funny because they came out in the same draft class that 2014 year. But I I think Jacksonville would be a great spot for Teddy. He's a Florida kid. Get back down, kind of you know closer to where he's from, playing in the warm weather. I think that's important for him. But then also in an offense that's going to, You know, he was never the most mobile guy, and and he might not be even more so after the knee, but you have an up-and-coming offensive line, you have a great run game, you have some targets at receiver, and you have a quarterback situation with Bortles where if he struggles, that job's going to be wide open again. It was wide open last year in the preseason, so I think that's a good spot for Teddy.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot, and I think it comes down to if Bortles starts to get into a turnover funk again. You can go to Bridgewater and say, "Okay, you aren't going to take as many shots, but you're a guy that could take care of the football." And he's a high character guy, so I, I think he does want to go somewhere where he's given the opportunity to start. But I think he's also a guy with no ego that will say, "Hey, I'll sit and wait my turn." Now, the one reason I did, I picked the Jets for Teddy, uh, I, you guys know I'm a Jets fan, so I'm pessimistic about Kirk Cousins. No matter what great news Matt keeps to de- delivering to me, I'm just <laughs> trying to, I'm expecting to be built up for maybe a last minute letdown, but. I do think plan B and Bridgewater kind of makes sense because, once again, a high character guy that if the Jets drafted somebody, he wouldn't be all bent out of shape. I, I think he's not a guy like Keenum or McCarron that they want to go somewhere where they're locked in as the starter no matter what. But Bridgewater, the Jets are building a young defense over there that can hold their own. They did a lot of the times last year, even when Bryce Petty had to start. The defense tried to keep them in games. And once again, Bridgewater's a guy that can take care of the ball. I think he can function in a Jeremy Bates offense. So and he he probably wants a one year deal to, you know, kind of that prove it deal, which the Jets have made in the past with players. They did it with Mo Claiborne last year, which I think ultimately paid off down the run. So I, I kind of like Teddy in New York. Maybe it's just me being selfish, but I think the fit kind of makes sense.
0: No, it makes sense. It makes sense because of Jeremy Bates. That's a perfect offense for Teddy to run because there's a lot of West Coast principles where you don't have to have that huge arm. You want a guy with some mobility and you want a smart quarterback, first and foremost. So yes, I, I I think they're gonna get cousins, but it's it's obviously, you know, there there are six days until teams can even legally tamper and even though they're already doing it. So we have a week until free agency happens, a lot could change. And I, I think Teddy has to be looked at as if you don't get cousins, whether it's the Vikings or the Jets or Broncos or whomever, he's a good
1: fit. If that's the type of scheme you're committed to running, he is probably the best plan B. So, all right, I want to package the next two guys together because I mentioned them that they both want to go somewhere where they're guaranteed to be the starters. AJ McCarron and Case Keenum, you and I agree on this. And what teams do we agree on? Yeah, McCarron to the Browns and Keenum to the Broncos, which... Simple.
0: The McCarron to the Browns smoke is real thick. I mean, there's a lot of that out there. And I, I think it's because of Hugh Jackson liking McCarron. He wants him in there. But they still have the first and the fourth pick in the draft. If they sign McCarron, how do you not draft a quarterback? And the the one like point I'll hammer home about this. Hugh Jackson has won one football game in two years. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to let him pick his quarterback. Like, why let him call his shot? when he's probably fired after this year. And then you're tied to the guy that he picked. So I, I don't know, man. I, I made that one because I, I made that pick because it does make a lot of sense. But God, I hope John
1: Dorsey and those guys don't do that. Yeah, me too. Case Keenum to the Broncos, I, I think, just makes so much sense for a team that, listen, Elway and those guys, obviously Gary Kubiak, they, they know what Case Keenum is and they know what they can build around him. And they know he can be what he was for the Vikings this year, a guy that can take a pretty solid football team back to the postseason. So I think that matchup makes sense. You know, as you said, uh, Kirk Cousins is down to the Vikings and the Jets, no matter what you hear anywhere else. I do not think he ends up with the Broncos. And I know Matt said that, reported that on our previous show from Indy. All right, the next one, maybe the most interesting guy, because he might just (laughs) stay where he is. But Nick Foles, I I think... The asking price, according to Chris Mortensen of ESPN, is that the Eagles are starting starting asking for a first and a fourth round pick. That is way too much for Nick Foles. Maybe they come back to reality. I think Buffalo would be the most interested on the external market.
0: Yeah, the Buffalo makes a lot of sense, especially because they have 21 and 22 overall in round one. They have two picks in round two. So we have speculated maybe they tried to trade up. It's going to be very expensive to trade up from those spots to a range where they can get a quarterback. So maybe they do just go with someone like Nick Foles as not necessarily a stopgap, but as a shorter term. Let's see what what he can do. Maybe it's a two-year front-loaded deal where you can get out of it if it doesn't work. I I love the Nick Foles story. I think he stays in Philly. I think you have Carson Wentz coming back from a pretty bad knee injury. We think he's going to be ready to go, but we don't know. No one knows. I mean, you can look at... And why rush him? Right. Why not just keep the guy who just was your Super Bowl MVP? He's he's cheap. I, and I get that, oh, you want to sell while the value is high, but I would be worried about the the Wentz timeline. If they don't view Nate Sudfeld, the backup, as ready to step in and run that offense, should Wentz be delayed getting back?
1: I think you got to hold on to Foles. I completely agree with that because I think here's the caveat that no one's really talking about. With all of the quarterback injuries we have seen throughout the season, The Eagles can not rush Wentz back, start Foles week one if they need to, win with Foles because the guy's shown he can win at the highest level, and then you can move him at the deadline for whatever you want probably because what if we have a Green Bay situation again where a top quarterback on a team that's contending goes down and you need a guy that can go out there and win you games until your quarterback returns? the value for Foles would be arguably higher at that point than it is right now. Yeah. It would so be like Sam you could Bradford. Have a front office. Yeah. You could have a front office. That's trying to save their jobs mid season. So the Eagles might be playing this right, right now by keeping the asking price high. Maybe, you know, maybe that is the case. Uh, okay. Two more. Uh, I'm going to let you do Kirk cousins, because I think <laughs> I truly think you are in the know here more than anyone across the media landscape. And, a guy that started for my Jets last year in Josh McCown. I'll get that off the top. I think McCown goes to Arizona and kind of plays the stopgap game over there. I think they have a really good defense, and McCown had a career year last year. I think if he's not back with the Jets, I think it's Arizona. But saving the best for last, what do we got on the latest for Kirk Cousins? You you holding ground here? I am. I still think that he ends up with the New York Jets, and
0: I know a lot has come out since I reported that Saturday night. I, I said on our podcast from Indy, it's down to two teams, the Jets and Vikings. Uh, and there've been multiple people now come out and say, no, no, no. Everyone's on the table. I, I feel like that is being driven by the teams that want to believe they're still in it. Or it may be driven by agents who want a bidding war. You know, it's if your cousin's agents, it's much smarter to say, no, no, there's four or five teams bidding than two because you want leverage. So I, Listen, I've been right before, I've been wrong before, and I'm not normally like a a newsbreaker freak. You know, I'm not Adam Schefter or anything. I evaluate players, but I feel really, really good about the information I've been given. I've I've heard it from a couple different people who I feel like they would know what's going on. So I'm sticking with it. I still think that
1: the Kirk Cousins is a jet when it's all said and done. Boy, do I pray you are right. (laughs) (laughs) We're (laughs) celebrating on this show with a champagne toast, if that's the case or... Something. I'll just I'll just start yelling. Okay. One thing I do want to do before uh before we do, you know, finish our combine talk, answer draft on draft questions. This is kind of random, but one trade you want to see this offseason because I I think we've heard through the grapevine that and it's all around everywhere. They're saying this could be the year of trades. I think you know we're gonna see a higher impact trade market this offseason. What's one that you would really like? It doesn't even have to be realistic.
0: I'm, I went with a realistic one that I would love to see, and that's Jarvis Landry to the 49ers. They fill their Ooh. biggest need, and they have the picks to do it. Um, it I, I think, he, I, I don't think he's going to go for you know the two threes that we've heard rumored. I think we can look at the trade market that has been out there. Landry for a three and maybe a six, it makes a lot of sense for the Niners because they, they have cap space. They could fill some of their wholesome free agency. They have a quarterback. That they do need, you know, other positions, interior O-line, corner, running back, but wide receiver is the biggest need. Give me Jarvis Landry with Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Garçon and, and what the core they're building there, George Kittle at tight end and Kyle Shanahan's offense.
1: I, I think he could be a difference maker. I love that trade, and that is very realistic, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Okay, I got two that would shock the fantasy football world <laughs> I love really these. set though, this man. on fire. Listen, Le'Veon Bell to the Titans, okay? He is not happy what the Steelers are offering him. The Steelers are playing it smart, and they're just going to keep tagging him, and they're just going to give him 400 touches a season until he burns out. But, Le'Veon, you are wise for wanting your money. I would not step back into training camp until you get it. Trade him to Tennessee. Let's get Marcus Mariota a true three-down back on the field. Let's get them a big weapon. Let's, you know, Mike Rabel comes in and and makes an impact right away and goes and gets a guy like that. Le'Veon Bell in Tennessee would be a lot of fun. The other one, this one is completely out there and dangerous, but Josh Gordon to the Rams, Listen, you got Marcus Peters oh my gosh. on the defensive side of the ball. Now you got Josh Gordon on the offense. You're going for the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> I absolutely, listen, if you can't bring back Sammy Watkins, get a guy that's a number one on a lower value, but, you know, is not reliable in Josh Gordon. I, I would be a ton of fun watching what Sean McVay does with him. Oh, my God. That team would be
0: amazing I know for I'm a playing, year. I'm. I'm playing Madden out here. Yeah, you're playing with <laughs> fire. Is what you're doing? Um, maybe like maybe it would be like opposites, and Josh Gordon and Marcus Peters would like be positive effects on each other somehow. You know, <laughs> where like they both love the game, they both hate to lose. Maybe that would work. But shit, that would be they would be my Super Bowl pick if if they pull that off. And with the moves they're making to get Aaron Donald, uh, you know, signed long term. And they still had pick 23 to go get a pass rusher. Jesus,
1: the Rams would be on fire if they pulled that off. All right. So if you haven't seen it this week, Matt has released a brand new seven round. Matt is making every single pick in this mock draft on bleacher report. And I want to kind of, you know, pick your brain about this because this is unique. It's, it's the first I've seen where the board breaks a little differently Number one overall, Saquon Barkley to the Browns. Explain how this could possibly happen.
0: Yeah, well, as you know, man, mock drafts are what you hear, not what you would do. And yep. all the all the talk coming out of Indy was the Browns have to consider this. Like they have to think about it. And so I, I reached out to some people around the league yesterday and was like, hey, if you if you had to bet on who the Browns pick at one, is it Barkley, Darnold, or someone else? And it really came back about even Barkley, Darnold, and Josh Allen. So I was like, you know what? I'm not getting a consensus. Let's have some fun. Let's roll with Saquon Barkley at one and see how the board falls because I think it's a scenario that people have to at least consider because he is such a dominant prospect. So it changed everything because then the Giants have a different pick they have to make. And I went with Quentin Nelson. And then that changes from there, you have a ripple effect of, okay, where do the quarterbacks go now? And it, it caused some guys to fall. I still had four quarterbacks in the top 15, but there wasn't that run on quarterbacks early, especially when you factor in Kirk Cousins to the Jets, which I did. So it it ends up with, a, I think, a unique but realistic look at the first round.
1: Yeah, it really does. That's why I really enjoyed reading this so much this morning, because I was reading it, and I've been a guy that says the Browns have to take a quarterback number one overall. I have too, yeah. Get- you can't get cheeky with this. And as I'm reading it, I'm going through in my head. I'm like, maybe you don't, because maybe one thing we're overlooking is that the Browns have the ammo to jump up to three or two. They don't have to sit at four because they have so much ammo in this draft. If yeah. they love Saquon Barkley, if they feel he's a generational talent to bring to Cleveland, to market to Cleveland, to be the face of fantasy football, to be the face of the Cleveland Browns, the not the old Browns, but the new Browns, then you take him number one and you call the New York giants or you call the Indianapolis Colts, two teams that I don't think will take quarterback and you didn't have them taking quarterback obviously in this mock draft yeah. and they can still get a guy like Darnold that they like or Allen that they like. And it's, I just, this was a really interesting mock draft to me because I think it, it opened my eyes to that scenario. Now uh, another thing I did want to discuss is Josh Allen, number five to the Broncos. So, with the Broncos essentially looking to be out of the Kirk cousins and in on case Keenum, this makes a lot of sense to me, right? Because you front load Keenum's deal for the first two years and you have the luxury of letting a guy like Alan sit. correct? That's the thinking here. Exactly. It's a lot
0: like Kansas city already had Alex Smith, but it's so similar to that idea of we have a guy for, like you said, say two years, like Mike Glennon deal. And Okay, you are the unquestioned starter this year, which is what Keenum wants. Come in, you're going to start, and then it's going to be a competition. Because I do think as many improvements as we've seen Josh Allen make since the end of the year, Senior Bowl, he looked better. Combine, he looked phenomenal. We still don't know how ready he is to attack an NFL defense, even though you know he played in an offense at Wyoming where he's under center a lot. He's doing play action. He's making reads. He needs time to, I, I still think, develop as an NFL quarterback. This is the best way to make that happen. And like you said, because they're out on Keenum, or excuse me, out on Cousins, I think that makes the most sense to get, get someone who can win pretty early on in Keenum. And I don't know that John Elway is ever really going to be fighting for his job because he's such a legend there, but he needs to win because they've regressed quite a bit since winning that Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. Get someone who can come in, get you back in the 8-9 win range, and you have a quarterback of the future in Josh Allen.
1: Yeah, that definitely adds up. So, all right, now looking at this, we did see some quarterbacks slide, and, and you preface in this mock draft, hey, I don't think this guy's going to go here because of the trade-ups. Like Josh Rosen to the Miami Dolphins, 11th overall. I believe you had Baker Mayfield dropping a bit down to 15 to the Arizona Cardinals. And you do say, listen, these guys are probably not going to fall this far. Now, tra- teams that can move up, it, it's, is it really, this is a lot, but Arizona, Miami, Buffalo are kind of the three that really, really jump out that are outside of that top 10 range. Who do you think, from what you're hearing, will be the most aggressive in trying to come up? And who realistically has the chance to get it done? Well, I think it's Buffalo
0: for both of those, dude, because they do have the ammo, like we kind of said earlier in the show. I mean, they pick at 21-22, then they come back at 53-56-96. So they have five picks lot. in the top 100. And they have a quarterback that's very cheap in Tyrod Taylor if they decide to keep him. So they have that perfect world of a cheap, established starting quarterback that they don't necessarily love. And you can be somewhat aggressive in going to get your quarterback of the future. So if I think the Bills make sense if we see a situation like this where someone starts to slip. Like say the slip happens and the Niners are sitting there at nine. And they're like, you know what? We like Roquan Smith, but we don't love him. We would trade back. And then you can get Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield at pick number nine. And you have your quarterback of the future. And going from twenty-one twenty-two to nine isn't as great as trying to get up there to two with the New York Giants, you know, to, to oh, get yeah. a home run and Sam Darnold. So I think that's where the trade ups become more realistic. And the same for Arizona. Going from fifteen to two is is a lot. I mean, or fifteen to four even is is a huge amount of picks to give up. But it makes more sense to, you know, the Niners aren't going to trade within the division most likely. But if you wanted to get in front of Miami, you could trade with Oakland, 15 to 10. That's a very, very doable type thing. And, and then you start to, to see these teams that have a
1: need for a quarterback that can come up just, you know, five, six picks and get their guy. Good stuff all around. So once again, if you missed it, Matt has a seven round mock draft that he released this week on Bleacher Report, making literally every single pick. I wanted to close with a couple of thoughts before we do draft on draft. I wanted to do a, a close with a couple of thoughts from the combine. We have some off the air discussions that it's funny this year. Our rankings really didn't move that much from this year's combine, especially quarterbacks, which we have to start with. How is your top five shaking out as it stands right now?
0: Nothing changed. It's so it's so weird that like you said nothing at all changed. I felt like uh, there was a lot of confirmation at the combine this year, but my top five is still Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. So no change at all. And it, there, there could be, I mean that things could definitely change as I start to talk to more teams and get more things like that scouts quote about Lamar Jackson. As that shakes out, then yeah, a lot, could change. But based on what I saw on the field, the things I've heard thus far,
1: these guys really just confirmed who we thought they were all along. Well, Yeah, that's how I felt too. My rankings did not change. And I explained this on the live show from Indy. It was frustrating that Sam Darnold didn't throw because I still am having questions about so many different things. And it's not just mechanically, but the arm talent overall. My rankings are the same. It's Josh Rosen, number one. It's Baker Mayfield, number two. Lamar Jackson, number three. Sam Darnold, four. Josh Allen, five. And I think... The three and four gap is as tight as you could possibly expect. It almost feels like a three a and three B situation. Allen for me is so situational based because there is a lot of talent there. And I thought he did so well at the combine. He looked really good mechanically. We know that the arm is top notch. We know he's a good athlete. I think you, if you do give him a little time in the right situation, things will pan out for him. But you know how I feel. I absolutely love Josh Rosen in this draft. And I think he had a great combine and, Nothing changed for me with Baker Mayfield sitting firmly at two. So the quarterback rankings didn't move that much as we talked about. We didn't get to talk about the defensive backs because obviously we did the show before they tested on Monday. I thought this group really, really showed out. They looked great for the most part.
0: They really did, man. And I owe an apology. to of them, actually. I owe Denzel Ward an apology. And I owe Sam Hubbard, a defensive end from Ohio State, an apology. I said that Ward. It was a couple months ago, and I, on Twitter I said I thought he was a four-four
1: guy. He ran a four-three-two. My bad. You're faster than I thought. Short guys normally to don't be move fair. That, that. You said he was the one guy that could that could really challenge Dante Jackson. Yeah. So you knew he was fast. We just didn't know he was this kind of fast. Right.
0: And then I owe Sam Hubbard one because I wrote. I literally wrote this a couple weeks ago, and he he sent me the screenshot, mess with me, where I was told that he wasn't very athletic, and I was like, Yeah, I don't know if he's going to do great in the three cone. He posted the best three-cone of any of the edge players. <laughs> <laughs> so he texted me. He's like, I'm just messing with you, but I had to prove you wrong. Uh, yeah, you did, man. Good for you. So you you mentioned it, though. The DBs, like, we knew Dante Jackson was fast. We knew Denzel Ward was fast. He was a little faster than we expected. I thought uh, Jai Alexander from Louisville looked really, really good. Uh, it really top, did. His agility it w- was on display. I mean, he was fast in the 40, great in the three-cone, great in the, the short shuttle. That's such an important test for defensive backs, uh, Justin Reed, the safety from Stanford. He might be the third safety off the board. He really might be after Minka Fitzpatrick and after, uh, Derwin James, Justin Reed from Stanford's a dude to keep an eye on underclassmen who came out. So we haven't talked about him a ton, but he had a, a great combine performance. I, I think he ran a four, four flat, great three cone as well. And he looked very good in the drills, but how about this dude from, from Penn state? Troy Apke. Oh my God. Four, three, four. <laughs> It's amazing. He's like the, the new Dustin Fox. So I, I had an undrafted grade on this guy. It's, uh, it's kind
1: of crazy. What are they feeding these Penn State guys? Dude, it's their strength Barkley program shit is insane. Mike is Absolutely insane. I, I mean, some of the most freakish tight end numbers we'd seen in the last couple of years for his size. And then you, I mean, wow. Good for them. Uh, good for Penn State. One more, we, you did mention him, Derwin James, a guy that we knew was a great athlete. He showed out as a great athlete. He looks healthy, which is vital. So, Derwin James almost it, it, he felt like a top fifteen, top twenty kind of lock as it is. But when you come out and test like that at the safety position and show versatility, a very nice showing for Derwin James, which we expected. So, listen, a fun defensive grab, gr- defensive back group. I'm very curious to see where Jair Alexander goes now because an elite 2016 season a average 2017 season that was, he was bothered by injuries and a great combine that can really remind you what he could do when he's healthy. So I hope Jair Alexander, you know, really bumped himself up into that top 50 range after this.
0: I I think he did, man. some of it's going to depend on health, but he did, he had a great combine performance. And I I think that he, he, he's going to be a little scheme specific. Like we've said with some other guys, because he is a little small, but when you see that type of quickness, and and maybe you know this is like stereotypical, but when I see a five eleven, buck ninety corner with that kind of quickness, I'm automatically thinking this dude could dominate in the slot. Like he could be a Chris Harris Jr. type player, and that's there's yep. value there. That's not a that's not a put down to say this guy could be a one of the best slot corners in the NFL. Like there's so much value there. So man, your New York Jets around two, if they I love that fit. If, yeah, I wrote depending that depending on so what they do at come, six. Yeah. So, oh man, he would be such a good fit there with that that young, aggressive,
1: like swagged out secondary he would be no doubt. Uh, they need a slot. When, when the Buster screen era ends, they need a slot. He, this guy reminds me of when Jason Verrett was healthy, what he could do just a lights out guy in the slot. So Jairo Alexander, you know, a, a big winner because it, it's interesting. I think he was, he was really a three-star coming out of high school because he wasn't really known as this great athlete. And then he shows out as a very promising athlete. So just a big weekend for him at the NFL Combine. One other guy I want to mention, uh, Josh
0: Jackson. Uh He's my number two corner, a guy that I've loved all year. I mean, Mello uh, loves the kid as well. He ran not great. He ran a 4.56, which for a guy who's six one, you kind of get it. I think that time's a little disappointing. I'm excited to see him test at his pro day and see if we get a, a little better time. I know pro day results can be skewed, but I, I still love this kid. He finds the ball well. He's very physical at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, in the mock draft, I still have him going pretty high. I think at at number 10 to Oakland, I'm still a big believer in his. And I I think sometimes we get excited at the combine and we can overvalue the numbers that we see on the field when you got to remember the tape is 90% of a guy's grade. And Josh Jackson's tape is still really, really good to me. All right, let's close this puppy out with some draft on draft questions. Uh, Our intern Kennedy did a great job pulling these from Twitter. Uh, from social media, if you're not already, you can follow at Stick to Football on Twitter, on Instagram. You can send your questions in that way. Uh, and we definitely love it when you guys leave iTunes reviews. Uh, you can leave your question in the reviews. We see those. We do our best to answer them as we can. And it, it also helps us. It helps us with those crazy iTunes ratings that no one quite understands. But the more reviews you guys leave, uh, it actually helps us a lot. So let's jump into it, man. Uh, at William Martin, or William Martin, excuse me, at thethrill One 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 One. Is there a dark horse team that could dare trade into the top 10 to grab one of the big four quarterbacks? We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, it's, it was going to cost so much, but I, I think it's Buffalo.
1: Yes, it, it definitely seems like Buffalo makes the most sense. Man, dark horse. I, I think it's so hard for you and I to say that because we talk about this so much that we've almost stated all the obvious. For a while, I, I always wondered if Jacksonville would be like, hey, we got this window right now. Let's just give up the future assets and go get a guy. But they are going to ride this thing out with Blake Bortles. So here's my dark horse.
0: I got one. Yeah.
1: The Chargers.
0: If we started to see someone slip, like if Josh Rosen started to slip somehow, they should be all over that shit. Not only do they need to sell tickets, they need a quarterback of the future. And he has proven he can handle that L.A. market. So I I think that one, like super dark horse. I'm not saying anything's going to happen, but I I could see that one.
1: Yeah, that would make sense. That's something we did talk about during the regular season, too, and we thought they'd be picking a lot higher. Okay, uh, Roman Tomasoff at Tomasoff34. If you had to choose between Quentin Nelson and Minka Fitzpatrick, who would you rather build around?
0: Ooh, build around makes that different. Like I love the idea of yes. plugging Quentin Nelson into a system. If I had to build around one, I would take Minka just because I also love the character there. And not that Quentin Nelson's character is not not great, Just your left guard is not normally going to be a leader on the team, and your safety more likely is going to be one. Minka has that great alpha personality like a Jalen Ramsey, Jamal Adams. He, He is the type of guy that people will gravitate to and follow. So I would pick
1: him as someone to build around. Yeah, that is a really interesting way to put it. Uh, Yeah, this is how funny this question is. Quentin Nelson is my number one overall playa, player. Player <laughs> uh, Minka. <laughs> that too. Yeah. M- <laughs> New Jersey guy. Minka's is probably in that top five, top ten range. You'd have to go look. Derwin James is on the outside looking in from those two, and I think he's the guy I'd actually want to build around because of his attitude and alpha male-like attitude. So. It's a really interesting way to put it, but I do agree with you. I would take Minka over Nelson to build around. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, next one from Eric Solomon at East Alamo 11. If the jets miss out on cousins, do you see them trading up to number three or four to grab a quarterback? If so, what would a fair offer be? I could see it. I mean, they
0: pick it six, 37 and 49. So if you package six and 49, I mean, that's, like, kind of like what the Bears did last year, I think they gave up, uh, they gave up three and a, a third and another pick to move up one spot. So you, it's it's definitely possible they could do it because of the the second round picks that they have, and they have a lot of picks in this draft. I think what they have ten picks or something crazy, or no, they don't because of, of trades. Excuse me, but they they have a, a decent number of picks, so I I could see them being pretty active. If it comes to they don't get cousins,
1: yeah. If they don't get cousins and they're sitting there at six, you almost have to go up to three. Something I did mention uh, a couple of days ago is that you would assume they have a direct line to Indy with Rex Hogan going there in oh, a yeah. in a higher role. He was a director of college scouting for the Jets. He's in a co VP role, I believe, now in Indy. So the Jets, as long as the relationship wasn't soured, that's a direct line to Indy and does make sense as a trade partner. Now, when you talk about what fair offer would be, I was explaining this to someone this morning that asked me on Twitter, and I was like, listen, I was like, to me, 37 and a mid-round pick, like a three or a four from 2019 makes sense, obviously after swapping first, because the demand could be so crazy for three. What if Buffalo calls or Arizona calls, and they offer so much more, then the Jets have to pony up more, but yeah, just just going off a quick one, I think you swap uh, three and six, you give up 37 and a conditional four or three from 2019. So it's not cheap to go up even when it's a couple spots. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's do one more here or
0: a couple more. Cody Manning at Cody Talks NFL. After this weekend, do you believe that the top four quarterbacks will all go in the top 10? We kind of preface that. It's starting to look like, no, it won't happen unless there are some trades just because of free agency, because of the needs of the teams in the top 10. You know, if the Jets cross off the quarterback need, they're probably, they're not going to go quarterback. And then without trades, I mean, the giants, it sounds like aren't going to draft quarterback. The Colts won't, the jets are probably going to get cousins. The bucks won't, the bears won't, the Niners won't, the Raiders won't. So without trades, it, those quarterbacks could fall a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I, I'm pretty com- uh, confident that there will be a trade market here. So I lean towards that. They will, but we've seen crazier things. The Sean Watson went 12th overall last year. So we always talk about these quarterbacks, yeah. top 10, top 10, and then somebody slides. So that I'm not, I am not going to rule it out. That's for sure. Uh, This next one from Sylvester Valderrama. He always sends us some really good stuff. Who are some prospects that weren't at the combine that could be drafted? My guy that I thought was snub was Jeremy Reeves from South Alabama. I got to watch him up close at the senior bowl and the DB drills. He was had some of the best, you know, overall fluid movement skills in terms of back, head, back pedal, opening up his hips, turning, running downfield. I just can't believe he didn't get a combine invite. He will be drafted.
0: Yeah, I think he will be. Puna Ford will be drafted. Darius Fountain will be drafted. Uh, the wide receiver from and I I think there's a chance that Adam Brenneman, the tight end from UMass, depending on injury, he's definitely someone that, that his tape looks like he could be drafted. But, you know, there are there's almost an extra round of players not invited that still get drafted. So th- those are some of the bigger names.
1: Okay, this next one from Jake Stillwell at Stillwater87. How do you guys interpret a wide receiver who has a solid 40, but a less solid, I like that, less solid three cone, Ridley and DJ Moore versus Cantrell and Cobbs? It's kind of an interesting one. I I think the three cone totally matters, but you also have to look at what a guy does on tape. Listen, if the 40 does matter in a sense. Like when you look at a guy like Ridley, who at times he didn't have help from the quarterback, but was a vertical burner. So that 40 really does matter. The 3 cone I think is probably the most valuable drill, something we talked about on the Combine preview show. So it, it really goes in context with the tape or needs context from the tape.
0: Yeah, and and honestly, we need the context of why did they run a poor 3 cone time? Like all these drills are taped. So teams can go back and watch and say, "Okay, like well, if Calvin Ridley didn't run a good 3 cone, let's see why. Did he stumble? You know what 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 happened? You can't just look at the number, you have to have the context with it. So that's a big part of it. You know, like Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore are both very athletic guys. They're agile. You might, like if a, a poor three-cone time could tell you that a guy has tight hips, poor balance. You know, so there there is a lot that you can take away from that, but you really have to understand why they got the time that they did, which is is why it's so important to actually get in there, watch the drills. And you like, they show on NFL Network, like guys are in the stands talking a lot of stuff. That's because everything's taped. So they're going to be able to go home, pull up Calvin Ridley's three-cone, watch it in seven seconds and figure out why the time was what it was.
1: All right. This last one from AJ. Actually, we got some bonus questions that just got punched in at the bottom. So this will not be the last one, but from AJ at AJ E rush, uh, what type of compensation could the giants expect if they trade out of number two thoughts on them considering this? I wrote this one up in a, in a trades article for FanRex sports and said, uh, Buffalo could come up for 21, 22, 56, which they got from the Rams and a 2019 first rounder. That's a big price, but man, listen, they they need a big jump to two if they want to do it. So if you're the Giants, you get three first round picks and a pretty good middle, middle of second round pick. And for Buffalo, you get your franchise quarterback.
0: I love it. Yeah, it is. It would, I would think that they could get a ransom because it depends on what happens at one. If it's Darnold, you probably don't get as much. If it's Barkley yes. to the Browns, then you can kind of call your shot and get whatever you want. I just I I feel like the Giants have to make a pick there just because of we've talked before about this draft class isn't great. It's good, but it's not great. And so being and at full two, blue chippers. At two, you can get a blue chipper. You can get a potential all pro type player instead of trading back and getting a couple of good starters. I guess the flip side to that is, you know, Buffalo did it last year. They traded back and ended up with a pro bowl type guy and Tre'Davious white. So you got to really trust
1: your scouting staff and
0: trust your plan. If you
1: do that. Now, what I would revisit here is an insider buzz from Matt over the summer that the bills were very invested in doing their research on Sam Darnold early on. So as Matt said, if Saquon Barkley goes, number one, and then it becomes kind of a hectic bidding war at number two. Maybe the Bills are all in on going up to number two if they get the choice of their guy, which we would imagine would be Darnold. Just do your
0: Mike Ditka for Ricky Williams trade. Just be here. You can just oh have it all. Oh, my God.
1: Just take it all. I want him here. Yeah, I just need <laughs> this player. God, that would oh. be unbelievable. Okay, we got some fun ones down here. Um, this one from Jer Schmidt at GD Schmidt. What was the buzz for DraftJoshAllen.com like at the Combine? Uh, I didn't hear any, but it, it's a pretty hilarious website. It is, so, and, uh, what and do you, it dominates what, yeah, what are your Twitter. Thoughts?
0: Every yes. time I like tweet about Josh Allen, people like the the Barstool fans getting my mentions, they're like, Draft, DraftJoshAllen.com. It is a hilarious website. Um, I, I think they're doing a good job of poking fun at the idea that like Josh is tall with a big hand and a big arm, so he's going to get drafted highly, as opposed to the people who are like, you know, fuck this kid, he should play tight end or whatever, you know? So uh, kudos well, to them for a, a pretty funny idea.
1: Yeah, so maybe, and then maybe Sims and Lefko can make uh, draftlamarjackson.com and you just have competing sites with articles on each quarterback each day uh, in a parody way. That would be pretty funny. Uh, okay, last one of the show. This one is absolutely incredible. From Champion Birds on Instagram. I like that. you getting unique with it. Send us a question yeah. on Instagram. Matt Mello and Dan. Okay, stick to football Friday. Gets into a bar fight with three previous podcast guests. Which three guests and who wins? I'm confused if I get to pick who they fight or know, if it, whoever on? who makes the most sense for them to fight. I'm um, Well, Matt didn't like Dion Sanders before he had him on the show. And then he loved him because Dion was number one, super nice. And number two, just a great interview. So I would have said that before the interview, but now they're buddies. Three guests and who wins. Can we well, pick we like talk to NFL players? Can so. we take like
0: <laughs> Peter King, Steven Nelson, and, <laughs> and Josh BJ. from Madden? Yeah, or
1: BJ Kissel. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah okay. That's
1: who <laughs> that's who I'm gonna pick so uh my friends and co-hosts survive because I need them. Now, if we're picking for entertainment sources like Hell in a Cell or Cage Match, we could have uh oh man, this can get pretty ugly. I'm trying to think of like the big, scary dudes that we've had on. Taylor LeJuan. Man. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, here's how we're going to do it. Taylor Luwan versus Matt Mello and Dan. <laughs> yeah. And
0: I still like his chances. We had Fournette
1: on. He would kill me. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah, when he said the NFL was easy. <laughs> yeah, he would break my jaw. Uh, oh, we had, my God. We had Connor Williams and Malik Jefferson on one show. <gasps> that show
1: would whip our ass. Yeah, we've had some... Some pretty wild lineups. Um, could you imagine man. being punched by Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen? No, I would just die instantly. Yeah, instantly. They, They're both oh like six God. five, two forty. God, yeah. yeah, that would be fun. Or if they just threw footballs at us, yeah, that would, would kill us. Yeah,
0: that's a good way to lose an eye. We've had like the two strongest arms in the NFL on this show.
1: Oh yeah, maybe we just we could call up Jamarcus Russell, and that would be a hell of a fight. You three versus Jamarcus Russell, Pat Mahomes. <laughs> And uh, Josh Allen, and they all have footballs. I don't so. think the
0: three of us could catch passes from those guys if they really wanted to yeah. dial it up.
1: Break your hands, but <laughs> all right, man. Well, we had a lot to get through, and I know you guys got a lot going on on the Friday show. Uh, what do you guys? What do you guys have planned for that so far?
0: I, I think our plan: we're going to fix the Dallas Cowboys. We're finally going to dive in, Ooh. figure out the Des Bryant situation, give that. You know, give Dak and Zeke some help because <laughs> they need it. That defense is a mess. We're going to try to fix it. Uh, and then I, I believe we're going to play Name That Prospect and do a lot of just combine review free agencies coming up. So we, we have a lot to get into on the Friday show. And as always, it'll be half serious, half complete nonsense.
1: Absolutely love it, dude. All right, guys, we'll catch you next week.